So working from home has turned out just fine for many people and now businesses are inevitably rethinking how much office space they actually need and where it should be located. While some companies are delaying any firm decisions until stability returns to the economy, others are taking the bolder step of negotiating new leases now to take advantage of some good deals. So what are they, who is doing it, and what are their thought processes? That's what we're discussing and more in this episode of JLL's Perspectives Podcast. I'm Rebecca Kent. So it is another episode of JLL's Perspectives podcast and to discuss what questions businesses are making around office moves in this very uncertain time, I've got a trio of experts from Team JLL. That includes Kate Pilgrim, a tenant representative in Victoria. Thanks, Beck. Nice to be here. And James Montague, a director in office leasing in Queensland. Afternoon, Beck. And Anthony Walsh, our workplace design expert based in Sydney. Hi, Rebecca. Great to be here. So there's a whole lot of debate right now about the value of the office when lots of people have proven they can do their jobs pretty effectively at home. And this obviously has implications for how much office space businesses need. And I can't help but think that companies who have office leases that are expiring this year are probably in a bit of a predicament about whether they should take less space or more space or space in a different location, especially when they don't know what the business itself might look like down the track, given the uncertainty. Um, Kate, maybe you can explain some of the thought processes that businesses in the market for new offices are having at the moment. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Beck. I think it's really is mixed, to be honest, amongst the occupiers in the market at the moment. So um, there has been um, a lot of discussion around what re-entry to existing space looks like. Um, but then there's also the, the future of the workplace. And with um, the positive take-up from a lot of people on the work from home, what is that going to look like for future? So it really is no one size uh, fits all across the board. Um, and it really does depend on lease expiry dates, size of the tenants, type of industry, and I guess how, how bold some of these groups uh, want to be as well. So say I've got a lease expiry, you know, looming in, in a couple of months' time. What's different about the conversations that are being had now um, compared to, I guess, more normal times? Yeah, well, I guess there's um, a few different factors. There is the, the workplace and uh, base requirements, but there's also the market conditions as well and um, the change in those market conditions and, and the deals um, and sublease space that has started to enter the market. So there's a lot to consider. Um, and on the um, space requirement side, um, it really is what are my future space requirements with this work from home piece um, mm. and with the uh, a vaccine not yet found, what are the implications for the, for the re-entry into the, into the office and requirements now, but also um, hopefully post-vaccine, what will that look like? And I think um, the sense is that um, the ongoing work from home will continue to trend, but the workplace will be somewhere to come for that experience and connection and collaboration um, throughout the workforce. And James, you're on a bit of an um, education campaign, um, I suppose, around um, how the term work from home is perceived. Uh, I like how you've described it as a campaign. Rebecca, it's, it feels, <laughs> certainly feels like that at times. Uh, we've, we've spent the last 
three months working our way through COVID and finding our feet and probably more intensely over the last month, the number of calls that we're making that are really open conversations with businesses about coming back to the workforce and, you know, five-person organisations to 1,500-person organisations and everything in between, there's this really um, mixed response around work from home. And I think there is a bit of, uh, I'm going to say, confusion around uh, the responses that these businesses are getting from their engagement surveys around work from home. And they're seeing their employees really enjoying and embracing this new way of work. But that can't be permanent in my view. I really believe that the workplace needs to be somewhere that all of the staff come together and that's where the culture really comes into play for a business. And if you're saying wholesale carve out 30% of your workforce and they're now permanently working from home, come Christmas party time, you're going to see 30% of your business and you won't even know who those people are. They could be anybody because the, the bringing the people together and the engagement that you have as an organization gets lost and i so think that's uh that, that's the real interesting thing james is is how often do we need to come together to maintain the social capital of, of of a business you know there's plenty of examples trello comes to mind of coming together once at the christmas party and even in the office they conduct all their meetings virtually um versus versus another model which might rely on you know, a weekly or, or two weekly or whatever uh, sort of engagement piece to uh, to support whatever type of work they're doing. So, that, I mean, that's a really interesting question. That's, I think it's hard to give a wholesale answer, right? What we find is the more we talk about it, the more conversations we have is that the people that are enjoying it are usually the ones that are very high-focused, productive work that in, requires them to sit and in a space and, and get through process-driven information and so they're not necessarily collaborating on everything every part of the day and so if they don't have to travel 45 minutes to get into the office in the morning and they can still do their job and then they don't have to travel for 45 minutes to get home they get an hour and a half back and it means that they can um, go and make a cup of tea and come back and they're still you know an hour in front of themselves throughout the whole course of the day they, those people still, when I've bumped into a handful of them within our own business and, you know, you get, oh, I'm really loving the, the fact that I can work in my pyjamas until lunchtime, ha, ha, ha. But I've really missed coming in and seeing people. I think I definitely agree with you on that point. Uh, I guess what's interesting, say, for example, those, uh, you know, more client-facing or sales or BD-type roles where you're out and travelling potentially interstate, for short meetings i mean i think for you know for, for those type of um operators all of a sudden they've got a lot of time back to do productive work themselves so you know you know the the sense of job satisfaction about sort of you know getting an outcome uh, is so heightened in some of those operators too so i think um i think there's been some shared enjoyment from from different ways of working you know some of the, i think the, the ceo of vmware was in the, the newspaper talking about how you know when he was connecting to other important parts of his business around the world how uh, informal and 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 sort of and and, uh, and useful the conversations were compared compared to sort of the the pomp of a, uh, a boardroom meeting and not to mention the travel involved to get there so i think there's a case for both of it but um you know what the mix will be for for businesses will be the interesting uh, journey 
James, businesses need to be making informed decisions. They've always had to do that. But what is some of the information that you're finding that they want now before they make a decision about relocating or, or looking at their office options? In terms of information that they're looking for now, it really is between you know, what kind of deal can I get now and is there, I'll use the phrase, are there COVID deals available in the market? Um, tenants that are active at the moment tend to be privately owned organisations that are looking to capitalise on a low demand, high supply environment that we're in at the moment. And there is a bit of this sort of steam that's come out of an expiry because not only is there some legislative implications that mean that you can't kick a tenant out, there's also landlords being pretty flexible with their occupiers to try and help so that they can stay beyond expiry and look to find them a solution within their portfolio. So it feels like a little bit more of a friendly set of circumstances for an occupier. Uh, I don't think that I've seen many businesses in the Brisbane market that have definitively understood what their workplace needs to look like yet. So how are they going about trying to understand it? I mean, are they looking at sort of increased take-up of, um, of data, some sort of monitoring that they haven't used before? Are they talking to other businesses? Are they looking at what land, how flexible landlords can be? Yeah, larger organisations, I'd agree that they're doing all of those things. The smaller businesses are really just trying to keep their ear to their ground and having as many conversations with as, as many people as they can. If you're a large business, uh, capital constraints are going to make it difficult for you to make a decision that's a long-term liability scenario. So we've seen short-term extensions really become very common in the last few months. Looking to put yourself with an expiry in a more normalised environment so you can make a decision based on an economic situation that you feel as though you understand I think there's still a lot of uncertainty around what the future holds in the short term, but we're, we're getting some positive sentiment from the occupiers we're talking to in that they believe long-term that businesses will remain uh, sound and they'll be able to operate in a pre-COVID way, but they're just not sure from what point that begins. We've been talking about flexibility for quite a few years now, but I think now more than ever, given the uncertainty around the future, that flexibility um, is key. Um, so that's in both the design of the fit out to ensure that um, post vaccine or um, post COVID that these tendencies can continue to um, to adapt and change to the required um, collaboration or workstation increase in um, in requirements. But um, it's also ensuring that there is some um, third space in buildings and some co-working just in case, um, you know, they don't quite get that space requirement right. It's just good to have that in place for future-proofing. Um, but also flexibility in leases, ensuring that there's those contraction expansion rights and also looking at shorter-term leases and break rights. Can you just describe um, that concept of third space for those who are not entirely familiar? Yeah, so this is um, overflow space, both bookable and non-bookable. So um, some new buildings and um, refurbished buildings have... A lobby, for example, on the ground floor that can accommodate some some overflow and some informal meetings. Otherwise, um, landlords, businesses, and um, event space. So this is more that um, informal co-working, but more business lounge space. 
James, you mentioned COVID deals, and I feel like you said that sort of reluctantly. Um, but can you maybe just elaborate on that for those businesses who are looking to take advantage of favourable prices? What are they? What's out there? <laughs> the, the reluctance comes from the conversations that we're having where tenants are coming to us a fair period of time before expiry and saying, what if we come to market now? What can we get? And the expectation is that because we are in a low, uh, a low demand environment, that because they are in market, they're going to get a really special outcome. And I, I think what we're having to educate some of these users is if you're wanting to move from a B grade building to a premium grade building and um, get a half price deal, that's just not available and you're not going to achieve an outcome that's that outlandish and particularly not if your expiry is in two or three years time. If your expiry is within a 12 month window, there's certainly going to be some landlords that are going to want to capitalize on that engagement and try and get a deal done. And I think some of the methods that are being used by owners are looking at delaying lease commencements and working with the tenants to design and construct fit outs that are enabling them to move in now during COVID circumstances, but then future proofing design moving forward. And I think there's certainly a lot of work that needs to go into that front end piece more so than it did before, because gone are the days when you're trying to fit in one is to eight people and thousands of linear workstations all in a row. I think there's going to be a change in how that tenants look at their office spaces, enabling more collaboration. But when I say COVID deal, uh, there's there's probably, I mean, it's hard to quantify because we just don't have the transactional evidence to support any increase in incentive at the moment. Uh, but the active negotiations at play, there's, there's certainly a higher level of incentive or inducement, i.e. rent-free or more capital available to get those deals closed out that have a start date within a short window of time so landlords can lock in that income. What we've also seen is um, first wave of sublease stock to hit the market and we're anticipating that there's going to be um, an ongoing um, supply of that sublease market coming on um, by end of this year and maybe a larger wave of that sublease by end of this year as well. So that's certainly going to and has already impacted on, on market conditions. More and more building owners are putting offices into the market that are already fully fitted out. I understand that's a trend gathering pace, James. From what I've observed, there's certainly a higher level of investment and uh, a higher level of thought that's gone into spec fit outs. And traditionally a spec fit out is you do a, a 600 metre deal in an 800 metre floor and then the balance gets specced out for 150 metres. And that's where the market sort of started. But now we're seeing 1100 metre full floors spec fit out with architecturally designed workplaces and they're amazing. So and the engagement that you're getting from the tenants that are looking at it is incredibly different to inspecting a vacant space. Without having the exact percentages, you could say that the vast majority of requirements in the market right now are looking for fitted space, um, be that existing fit-outs that they can modify or spec spaces that they can walk straight into. Anthony, I'm going to bring you in here. Um, look, COVID is... Uh, potentially been pretty dramatic and disruptive in terms of what businesses' requirements are from a design perspective and 
as a workplace design strategist, I'm sure this is a really interesting and exciting time for you. Why is that? Oh, look, uh, I think uh, whenever there's a, like a major sort of cultural inflection point, it's exciting time for design because it, it means that sort of change is, is happening. And from a design community um, point of view, some of these ideas have been talked about uh, since, you know, act activity-based working was starting to be implemented in Australia and, and beyond. And uh, so what's interesting from my perspective is to see how fast the conversation around that has accelerated. And uh, we have a... A, a, a job over in uh, WA at the moment where um, some of the stakeholders were, were very, very hesitant about um, an agile type uh, environment and, and now and now during COVID and post-COVID they're, uh, they're advocating for a very different model so um, I think uh, I think it's really uh, unlocked some entrenched views which is exciting for one and I guess the other the other thing from uh, from from a design perspective is to see how different companies have responded in the media to this. You know, you've got technology companies out there saying, we're going to make some permanent changes and we're going to a distributed model. And, and, uh, and, and of course, you know, they sell technology that, that you know, encourage us to connect uh, remotely, right? And then you've got the banks responding, you know, in Australia saying that all cards are on the table and we want to look at a different workplace model potentially and understanding that they're, they're one of the highest... Uh, consumers of CBD Realty and, and probably with the most to gain financially, potentially, from, um, from a different workplace model. And I guess what's more interesting is a company like JLL, for example, a real estate company and a technology company, to see how uh, we respond uh, and, and make compelling and engaging reasons for people to come into the workplace. So, uh, yeah, fascinating times from a design perspective. I think the, the, the other interesting shift is uh, you know, we're, we've got to work with some building owners at the moment who are, in, in, instead of a, a very high density sort of co-working model, are looking at uh, a much more, um, I guess, amenity driven, um, you know, shared environments with sort of two or three times the budget of a typical workplace fit out, which makes a pretty exciting design proposition for us and for the people that are going to go and experience those spaces. So what do you mean by shared amenity? Do you mean like a co-working space? Yeah, I think uh, exactly that. Whereas, you know, perhaps a WeWork model was about how many small desks can we fit in an area to lease out to people uh, versus uh, something with, uh, with a higher degree of amenity, shared services, um, you know, learning, learning opportunities, bar areas, cafes, libraries, town halls, et cetera, um, that kind of thing. And so might we see large organisations such as banks and financial institutions, as you mentioned, sort of move into that? Well, of... that's that's the uh, interesting thing is, you know, how, how much do we need our own personal uh, office to reflect our brand? Is it is our brand about, you know, our physical space or is it about our people? And, and I think uh, to Kate and James's point before, you know, it'll be a different mix for different companies. All right. Well, there's some really fascinating points there. And, um, you know, you've all given such a, a strong picture of as uncertain as it is what companies are starting to think about with regards to their space. So, Anthony, Kate and James, thank you very much. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Beck. Yeah, we're just listening to JLL's Perspectives podcast. If you thought it was interesting, useful or even both, send this episode on to your friends and colleagues. And make sure you subscribe to the series as well so you're the first to know when a new episode has landed. 
And if you want to know more about Anthony, James or Kate who featured in this episode, pop over to jll.com.au forward slash perspectives dash podcast for their bios and to get in touch with them. Thanks for listening.